Hi guys, welcome to Belief Alchemy with Megan O'Neill. Every week I'll be sitting down to interview visionary women who will teach us how to have a more magical mindset and to create greater possibility in our lives and in our business. Hello, hello, Miss Pam, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Megan? Good. So welcome back to the podcast because you were my former guest. Do you remember? Happy to be here. Yes, <laughs> it was fun. Looking forward to having some more fun. Chatting so with you is always fun. Well, and I we talk anyway, like apart from being in a podcast, but I wanted to have you back again for so many reasons. But um, sorry, sorry, I should introduce you, Pamela George. Hello. This is my friend, Pamela George. So Pam, just give us a little intro to you and tell us about yourself. Hmm. All right. So you may not recognize the accent in my voice, <laughs> but I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. I've been in Canada, I would say maybe 12, 13 years now. Um, I have my own business. I've recently done a rebrand. My business was called Pamela George Financial Literacy as of April 4th. So two days ago. It's um it's now Sand Dollar Financial Literacy Counseling. I'm the CEO, founder, and financial counselor. So it's a one-woman show. And I'm loving it. I help women, I empower women to take control of their lives through financial literacy counseling. Can I just ask you, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but can you just define uh financial literacy? Exactly what it means. It is learning about money, learning to manage money. It is just, it's, and it's, but it's not just the numbers, right? It is, it is understanding numbers, how to balance a budget, how to pay your credit card, but it's also understanding your relationship with money as well. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. you and I talk a lot about money mindset. I've known you for, I don't know how many years now here in Ottawa. Um, and you've changed actually your business quite a lot since when I first met you. So there's been, you know, you know that on this podcast, what I'm always really curious about is the evolution of a person's, of a woman's mindset as she grows her business. So this is what I want to talk to you about today. I know you, you just did a rebrand, which is really cool. And I love the name. I can see why it's a sand dollar, right? Mm -hmm. I, I wanted a beach theme. I sand dollar represents, you know, there's this five little things that when you break out from a sand dollar, it shapes like a dove. And, you know, dove represents hope and peace of beauty. And I thought how fitting for a brand name for my company. And that's why I chose it. Oh, good. And on my website, there's so many beach scenes and underwater scenes. I, I love it. It makes me feel a bit of Trinidad, a bit of home. Yeah. So I didn't know that about the sand dollar. I just have seen, you know, the sand dollar. So I yeah. love that story. And I <laughs> mm -hmm. love, you know, I love the fact also, because I've had the pleasure of learning about your, your life growing up in Trinidad, but in the original podcast, which I uh, encourage everybody to listen to, because it was really a lot of people just loved. And yeah, I think you were my first guest, to be honest. Yeah, One of, okay. yeah I think my first, other than Kevin was like my first guest, but he doesn't count. Um, <laughs> But we talked about how you grew up in Trinidad and how you grew up in a really financially challenged um, family. Can you just yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Oh, gosh. So we have to go back to Trinidad <laughs> when I was a little girl. Um, I remember my mother having a roti shop. You know what a roti is. You're from Toronto. Yeah. You know what a Trinidadian roti is, it's right? It's like a Trini sandwich. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> with all curry and all these yeah. flavors and seasonings. Um, and she had a little business and, um, you know, she was a single mom. She had left her first husband because he, he had another woman, another family and all of that. And she was taking care of her kids, supporting her kids, um, was able to build a house um, without a mortgage, did it on her own piece by piece and doing really well, really good at making money. Now, the thing that, that I think is shocking to everybody is that my mother was illiterate. She couldn't read or write, but she could make money. I don't even understand how she would know to buy products and buy stocks and then sell it. How I don't even know if she kept books, like what was her markup? How would she know all these things? But anyway, she did it well. She supported herself, her children, and built a house from that roti shop, although she couldn't read or write. Anyway good at making money. And I feel some of that runs through my veins too, by the way, making money, you know, that it's just, we love business. I feel, I feel that runs in our family. Anyway, um, as much as she was good making money, good at making money, she wasn't educated in terms of managing that money, how to keep it. And, and which is why when she met my stepfather, who I call the devil incarnate, <laughs> when yeah. she met him, um, and I, I do feel that was probably the first time my mother was in love. Look, as an adult woman looking back now, um, and let me say this, as an adult woman looking back now, I found many things to forgive my mother for, things that I, I had resented earlier on because I just didn't understand. Now, being older and I would like to think wiser, I, I can so understand, right? But anyway, I feel she met this man and for the first time in her life, she felt love or that, you know, that feeling of being in love, but we, we get the high, right? Yeah. And she just trusted everything about this man. Sold the house, sold the business, took all the money, moved in in his house on his land in Trinidad, built a massive house. And within, I think it's within a month. Sometimes I feel it's weeks, sometimes it's months, but it's so long ago. Anyway, quite recently, soon after the house is finished built, he threw us out. They had a fight and he threw us out. And I always say, I remember it as, as you know, a Hollywood cliche. It was the night, it was raining. <laughs> we are all at the side of the street on the roadside at the house, in front of the house and nowhere to go. Right. And I feel, I really feel if my mother understood to, you know, um, believe in herself and trusted herself to safeguard her money, protect her money, that would not have happened. Yeah. If she understood um, things like um, a cohabitation agreement and a prenup and how to protect yourself and have a bank account in your name alone. And, and when you're doing this type of arrangement with a complete stranger who you, you're in love with, but at the end of the day, it's a stranger. Um, you know, you put things in writing. I feel if she'd known all these things, it would not have turned out the way it did because that, that destroyed the family. And I think I said in the earlier podcast, four or five generations now, and we're still reeling from the negative impact of that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think it's, it's complicated, isn't it? People are complicated. I mean, my mother did have access to a lot of those things that she could have done to protect her money. And Mm -hmm. her mindset didn't allow her to. And I think yeah. there's, you know, a lot of trust and 
he's a man and he knows better and all that sort of thing mm -hmm. that was really prevalent in our mother's age, right? I think some I think that would have definitely played a part as well. I mean, an Indian woman back in the in the what 70s, 80s. Yeah, that would have played a part too. But I do feel that because my mom, while she was a traditional Indian woman, at the same time she wasn't. She left a husband who was cheating on her, right? And and took her kids and and lived on a road in a time when Indian women weren't doing that. Supported her children, built her house, ran her business. All those things women weren't doing alone. In fact, an Indian woman would I, I'm sure she would have been scorned. <laughs> you know, doing what she did. So in a lot of ways, she was not traditional, but in a lot of ways, she was, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, what is a very interesting that I noticed uh, lately, I just came to this conclusion recently, was a lot of my entrepreneurial clients have come to work with me on mindset. I would say a great percentage of them have been single moms. Mm. Wow. Right? Yeah. 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 And that's something, eh? Wow. Well, I think that- Is the, it because of necessity? Yeah, it's because yeah. they their back is against the wall mm -hmm. to start the business. When they come to work mm -hmm. with me, they've already somewhat established themselves mm -hmm. and they want to show their kids that they can do it, that they, they can provide for their kids and show them like yes. I can reach my goals. I and they go, OK, I want to work on the mindset and I want to get there to reach my goals. So I've always had this admiration for the single mothers like your mom who create these businesses but often it's from a place of necessity like my back is against the wall mm -hmm. you know when you went through that experience and we've talked a lot about this and we talked about it on the initial uh podcast but i know that it has um essentially guided many of the actions that you have taken in your life and has led you to the financial literacy and then of course you started your own business but when you started your own business, were you thinking, what were you thinking when you started your, your own business? I, I am always reminded of where I came from. I, 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 I never want to forget how we were homeless and the conditions we had to live, live in a garage, three of us sleeping crossways on a bed and having to, you know, beg for food and, and handouts. And I don't want to ever forget that. But I also don't want to see anybody else going through that. Right. And now that I have clawed my way out of that hellhole, yeah. and, and I'm in a place I call myself and I believe I'm a financially empowered woman. I believe I'm in a position now that um, I want to help other women. There's a, I mean, I'm not religious by any means, but there's a verse in the Bible that I really like. It says, um, to whom much is given, much is required. And I really feel that um, I was able, by grace, I was able to claw my way out of this and, and stand where I am right now, strong, confident, successful, empowered. And the reason I'm here is because I need to help other women get out of their messy situation and help them become financially empowered women. That's why I do what I do. And the idea of being financially empowered, I think is a very new concept for women. Do you agree? I, I, I think so. I think we were caught up with the whole masculine patriarchy, financial freedom, right? We got caught up with that. And I think financially 
empowered financial empowerment i feel it's it's a term that a lot of women has we have claimed that i would like to think um and i'm happy that we did the financial freedom thing i it just feels to it, it doesn't align with me and my values and, and what I see as a vision for me and for my clients. When I say financial empowerment, I see my client's face. I see myself. And, and that's what, what I aim for. I, I, I use different terms. I say, you know, I call myself a financially empowered badass queen, a financially empowered diva, financially empowered woman, but it's always financially empowered, financial empowerment. We need to claim that as women. We really need to stand up. And there is a difference between financial freedom. And one would argue when you listen and you learn the definition of financial freedom, it's almost something that is, is unattainable because financial freedom is you want for nothing. You have excess money, like a Jeff Bezos kind of thing. That's not my ambition. That's not what I want for my clients. I mean, if they want it, that's fine. But I want uh, my clients financially empowered. So when they have to make a decision, they're confident in why they're making it and how they're going to go about making it. They are confident that if they have kids, they are doing what it takes so that their kids, when they start, say, post-secondary, they're not loaded with, um, with, with loans. They would have helped their kids, that type of thing. They're not um, buried in consumer debt because they know how to handle debt, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I've seen the evolution of your business and particularly because mindset is my interest. I've seen your mindset shift and change as you have gone along. Mm -hmm. So you started out where, you know, I think a lot of the, what they call bootstrapping, you mm -hmm. know, where you did a lot of things yeah. yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You built mm -hmm. your own website. Yes. And I, yeah. And, and you know what, that is, I think a lot of women's stories, especially those who are in the service industry right? Those who are not more so maybe than people who are selling products, but you have just taken big leaps in the last year. Yes. And I just want to go back to say March, 2020, when the COVID hit, which I was telling, I actually was saying this on, on one of my, my things the other day that I contracted as opposed to expand for mm. the beginning of it. Meaning that I went into myself and I, my mm -hmm. scarcity take a, took over and I, the energy of the moment and all this negativity and not knowing, and I did a lot of contracting, if you want to put it that way. I feel like you were hit with contraction by other people like me, like people pulling out. And I had a lot of people pulling out too, by the way, from mm -hmm. my services mm -hmm. at the yeah. start of it. Tell me about that, that March of 2020. So I did something different. So in March 2020, I I had people pay me up front just before we went into lockdown so they can start working with me on my one-on-one -on -one program and stuff. When it happened, I actually reached out to everybody and said, everything is so uncertain right now. I don't want to take your money when you need it because, I mean, one of them in particular, she had no work to go to anymore, right? So I actually refunded people, not because they asked for it. I actually refund, refunded people who hadn't started working with me as yet, refund them their money and saying to them, listen, we don't know what's happening. Nobody knows what's happening. 
the best thing for you right now is to hold on to that. When things settle down or you know a little better about how things are falling into place, reach out, we'll start the working together again. So that's what I did. But um, what I also did was there was no revenue. Not only there was no new business coming in, I gave back some of the money. So it was a little bit crazy. But what I do, and, and this I learned from COVID, COVID made me realize that I do something in times of crisis. I help other people. I take the focus off me and that's exactly what I did. So COVID happened and I didn't spend time sitting down thinking, fuck, can I say fuck here? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for fuck. Yeah. Right. I wasn't like, fuck, what am I going to do? Yes, there was that. Don't get me wrong. I was worried about my business, but what I decided to do was I'm going to help other people. So I started offering, I don't know if you remember this, but I made an announcement on Facebook and, and anywhere who would listen to me. I started to offer free financial counseling for anybody who wanted it just to help them figure out what to do because people were scared. They didn't, they couldn't afford their mortgage. The banks are offering deferment, but it's not really what they said they were going to offer, how to pay my credit cards, what to do. So I was offering free financial counseling. And I, I find that's a good, I like, I mean, psychologists might say that's um, avoidance, <laughs> but I find when I am in crisis, for me, what works better instead of woe is me, woe is me, because I can, I can do a pity party as good as anybody else if I wanted to. But I find instead of doing that, if I get out there and just try to help people who, who need more help than me or equal amount of help, but I have the capacity to help them, I find that helps me get through it. And there was so much goodwill coming out of that mega. There are people, they haven't forgotten those people who I gave free counseling sessions to, they haven't forgotten. And um, I, while I had, I think I had three months or so of no revenue, March, April, May, no revenue. But those same people, um, when things settled down and they figured out their situation by June, they started coming back to me, man. And my business just, the, it just went, it skyrocketed my revenue, my the growth of my business. So to answer your question about how I grew. And, and so because of, of this thing that I did at the beginning of COVID, things picked up so much towards the, the second half of 2020. And it just felt that the little DIY website that I had, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't aligned with the type of service I was offering now. COVID had changed so many things and I felt I, I had to get a new website. So I invested in a new website. I had to do more, more uh, systems as a result of the business growing, that type of thing. Coming out of that now, okay, so I learned this valuable lesson. And then 2021 happened, business is still growing. I did a bit of coaching. I learned some different stuff, how to approach my business. And the thing with me, when I learn something, I'm just not learning it for the sake of learning it. I need to put it into practice. So that's what I did. Um, luckily, I've had some good, I've had good business last year. I mean, I've had some shitty months too, don't get me wrong. But all in all, last year was a good year. And um, I have just focused on reinvesting that money in my business and it has paid off. But that's a mindset shift. 
It right? is. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is mine. Um, One thing I want to just mm-hmm. say, Pam, mm-hmm. that you and I've talked about what you did mm-hmm. by helping people. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite money mentors, and for some reason, because I'm perimenopausal, I'm forgetting her name right now, but she is, she's, she was brought up in sort of the Christian tradition and you know, the Christians tradition, they tithe. Mm-hmm. So they yes. give a percentage of their money. And mm-hmm. she always, she, her philosophy is very similar in the sense mm-hmm. that she believes that if you give away, say you make it 10% or 20% of your money, mm-hmm. not to a church, but to whatever you feel mm-hmm. called to give, Mm-hmm. That that's saying to God or the universe or yourself that I believe that this, that I, the world is plentiful, abundant, I'm sending this out and it's going to come back. And she said yeah. that works like a dream for her. So I just wanted that's, to mention that. Yeah, well, that's so, so last year, what I did, I donated $10,000 to five different charities. It was um, this pet sanctuary, Blue Sky, I think it's called, out in the West End. Um, of course, the Ottawa Food Bank. There's this drop-in center for women. So each got 2,000 each. Um, I did I did Forest Ontario, and I did the Inuit Center here in Ottawa. And let me tell you, I think the best part of my business after counseling my clients and seeing their transformation is the fact that this business allows me to give and give back in such a, in a way that just it, it I feel my heart expands like when I did that last year the only thing that can compete with the feeling of of what I of what I felt when I donated that was when I see my clients transform that's the only thing it is so good it's one of the biggest reasons why I have my business this year I have pledged <laughs> To double that, this year I've pledged to give 20000 to Ocean Canada because that is aligned with the whole sand dollar, that type of the beach, whatever. So Ocean Canada, is their vision, they want to clean up the oceans. They want to sustain the wildlife in the oceans and that type of thing. So I pledged 20000 and I, like your friend, I believe, I'm putting it out there, and I believe that um, it will come. And if I'm going to give 10%, 20,000 is 10% of 200,000. So, Hey universe, I'm here. Send it to me. <laughs> right. And yes. I mean, you, you, uh, you know, going back to the mindset of your growth, mm-hmm. um, now you are going into, you know, being a badass, as, as <laughs> we would say, mm-hmm. and you have made leaps in terms of also investing in your your work and really and i think you have been very conscious what i would call conscious in your approach to work not only in terms of investing but even creating personal systems like hiring an assistant so you've made all these you've you've hired an assistant you've just hired a marketing agency you've done all of these things to not only invest in your business but to invest in making your life easier yes so there's some leaps and bounds here Oh my gosh. So I, let me tell you, I have had such a hard life, Megan. (laughs) I have had really a hard life. I am what, 52 now? And I have, like we say in Trinidad, I done working hard, you know. I, I don't know if you understand what that means, but what it means is that I am really tired of working hard. So what I do now is I have been blessed to have the capacity to create systems I don't work on Fridays. <laughs> My hours of work are from nine to three. And um, I have what is called a client week, which is my heavier week. But then the week after that, so the in-between week. So I have clients week every other week. 
The week in between is what I call like my CEO slash admin week, where I work on clients' files, I work on, on the business, not in the business, but it's a slower, freer week. And, and that's the kind of thing that I need. I I don't think my body, as you know, I, I'm, I have a, an illness I struggle with. And um, it because of that, I can't push myself like, I like maybe a typical 50-something-year-old might be able to do. I can't. I can't have long days. I can't push myself all the time. I need days off. I, I need a three-day weekend. And that's not a luxury for me. It's a necessity, right? So I've set my boundaries with that. Um, I, I could have one, one uh, full heavy week, but that can't be followed by another full heavy week. It needs to be a slower week. And, you know, having my business and, and the way I've set it up, it allows me to do that. It's, it allows me to set up a business that matches and aligns with the life that I need to live. And, and I'm just really happy with that. I, I have gotten over the, the um, I have control issues, Megan. <laughs> so I have gotten over, I've gotten over having to control everything. And um, I'm so happy I've gotten over that because it was it was getting in my way. It was. Yeah. Well, I was joking with you earlier because <clears throat> for anybody listens, Pam organizes everything like plan, plan, plan. So I was joking about how I can't just go for an improv to drink with Pam. We have to plan it, like put it in the calendar. Like, but one thing you said to calendar. me, yeah, in the calendar. We need to put lots of that after the COVID. But. Um, yeah, I, you know, one of the things that has been interesting is that you decided like in the last what I think in the last year or six months to really make some big shifts, really invest mm -hmm. in your business. And when mm -hmm. you and I were talking about this, you said, um, you know, you obviously the rebranding rebranding was a big thing, but you spoke about owning your story. Can you talk to me about that? Yes. Um, yeah, every day we learn something new about ourselves, right? About a way we can do things differently, do it better. And what I have learned over, I would say the past year is to embrace my story. Like, you know, folks know I'm from Trinidad. They know, you know, I would have struggled, but I never really went into detail. I think the first time I went into detail about my story was with you. And yeah. even then it's not the full detail, right? Um, but I am realizing that if I want to help women claw them their way out of, of poverty and, and financial struggles and abusive relationships and stuff, they need to know, and it would help if they know that I too have been there. And, and not just the words of saying, oh, I've been there. They want to hear my story. They want to hear what I've been through. They want to hear about the bullying and the abuse and, and all of that. And it took me a while to be comfortable sharing that, but I started sharing it. And the more I share it, the easier it became and the more relatable I became. Just yesterday, I had a client. Um, she called me. We had a call and uh, I was looking at her and, and her story just so reminded me of my mother. But she said that she, the only reason she called me is because she knew I could understand her situation. And the reason she knew I'll understand her situation is because she read my story on my website. Uh, it's the new website and I bite the bullet and I put my story there, right? And I, I didn't have that initially on my old website. I didn't, I was a little bit shy to do that, but, but now it's there. And I feel that the people who can relate to it would, would and um, they'll reach out. 
right? And if I don't get a client, I make a friend as a result. So I'm, I'm just more comfortable with my story. Yeah. Do you think that you weren't comfortable with your story because you were feeling some shame? Yes, there was like, you know, even in Trinidad, I was about to say here in Canada, <laughs> you know, you all wouldn't understand. You all, meaning you born bred Canadians, yeah. wouldn't understand what it is like island life. But even in Trinidad, I was I, I was ashamed of it because I wasn't the typical Trinidad Trinidadian growing up. We were poor even by Trinidad standards, right? Um, but there was, I mean, there was shame in in the in the poverty, in the reason why we were poor. Um, there was shame in how folks treated us, abused us, drove us away, called us names, that type of thing, what we had to wear, hand-me-downs and that type of thing. I mean, now we call it vintage, <laughs> but back then <laughs> it was just old stuff, old shit you're getting from the neighbor or whoever, right? Um, but yeah, that was a lot of shame. But I look back now and when I claim the story, when I own it, Somehow the shame for me just fell, fell along the, the way. It Claiming the story, I think, allowed the shame to just fall and, and fall where it fall. I don't care anymore. Who wants to judge me? Just go ahead. What the fuck? I'm a financially empowered badass. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't care Girl. who judge me. <laughs> exactly. You know, but, so, you know, yeah. But do you think, you know, as you went along and you started to claim your story, how did that help your business grow? I became relatable to a lot of women. Um, I, I feel that ultimately, especially women, we're looking for connection. And women were able to connect with me. If they can't see what I've gone through in their life, it would have been their mother's life or their aunt or their sister or somebody. And they just saw a way to connect with someone. And I'll tell you, all my clients end up being friends. <laughs> I have so many friends now who were clients and um, it's because of that connection. I open myself up. When I counsel, it's like two good friends having a conversation. That's how it is. And um, yeah, telling my story, I it has definitely benefited my business, but it has it has set me free as well, eh? It has, yeah. it has, there's no more shame. There's no more, um, like somebody asked me, so, uh, you know, where were you at age 12, 13? Well, I had just run away from home, fleeing an abusive stepfather. And, you know, I just say it as it is, as opposed to, oh, I don't want to talk about this, how I ran away from home. And no, it's none of that anymore. I claim it, I own it. And um, yeah, I'm proud actually. I, I mean, I don't want to give, um credit for the suffering i don't want to do that but um I, I i just own it i own it yeah and i think when i hear you and and listen to your evolution of of how you think differently one of the things i remember us talking about was you really feeling in your bones more abundant as opposed to scarcity yeah and you telling me that yeah i I I think so. I don't know where that come from, eh? Megan. I this this sense of abundance in my bones, like you say. But even when I was poor and having to steal food from the neighbor, the 
the I don't remember if it was an avocado I had to climb over the fence to steal or this other thing we call breadfruit I don't remember what it was but anyway I mean even when we had to do that or when my mother had to cook rice and and we'll have rice and a boiled egg and the three of us have to share that one egg even then I don't remember being poor or feeling poor or feeling like a victim or anything like that um through all my suffering there was not like um there was not i wasn't thinking oh i could never get out of this and i don't know where that come from i i i, I poetically i say it comes from my grandmother because she was a strong indian woman from india who came on a ship to trinidad i i, I have to put a story behind it right but i really don't know where it came from but even when i was struggling and suffering there was not the poor me, woe is me, I am poor, I can't do any better, this is my life. I was always looking ahead, always looking at the future, knowing that I was going to get out of that and I was going to be successful. I didn't know what the success looked like. I did not know um, if I would go to, to college, university, even high school. I didn't know anything, but I knew I was going to be successful. Oh, that's so interesting and so <laughs> powerful. And I don't know so, where it came from. So now that you are making, I think, big strides in your business and also really investing in your business and growing your business. And as we were talking about, you always have a plan. You always have had a plan, which I love. <laughs> and, you, you know, you seem to have more and more clarity, too, as time goes by about what you want. You're allowing it to unfold. That's what I feel like with you is that you're very tuned in to letting it unfold. What is what guides you now as you grow your business? I, I want to leave, there are about three things, I think. I want to leave something, some kind of legacy for my nieces and nephews. So I have no children of my own, that's by choice. And I'm grateful every day that I don't have kids. <laughs> No, no offense to the people, the parents who are listening to this, but I am happy I don't have kids. But I, I believe in building generational wealth. So I started from zero. My mother started from zero. Her parents started from zero. You know, at some point we need to break that. And um, I want to be the one to break that cycle. I want that my nieces and nephews will not start from zero. So that's a legacy I want. So that is one of the things that guides me when I get up in the morning, like this morning, girl, I woke up at half past two and couldn't go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to come to work. And I jokingly said, if I was an employee working for someone else, I would have called in sick. <laughs> yeah. But when it's your own business, you got to show up. So I showed up. And um, when, it's, when I'm having days like that, I think of my nieces and nephews who I want to help, right? And who I want to leave a legacy for. The other thing is I... I want to live the best version of me. And that doesn't have to do with any money or, or wealth as we think of it, right? Um, I just want to be the best version of me in the sense that I want to be able to, as an example, I don't want to be stressed by money. So I am making um, hasty decisions as a result of it. Oh, I am, I am, I am grumpy and stressed, so I can't be kind. That type of thing, right? I want to live a, in a comfortable house, but not because I want the big fancy house or the fancy condo. I want to be there so I can sit and read my books that I enjoy. 
and and listen to Megan's podcast if I want to, that type of thing, right? So there's, I want to live the best version of myself and the best version of my life, which may or may not involve money. And the third thing, I, I really want to have a positive impact on the planet. I feel humans are like a cancer to the planet. I really do. That's my personal opinion. Um, and I, I want to give more than I take from it. And, and that, those three things, what guides me with my business and my relationships in, in, in my habits, my shopping habits, my, the way I consume anything, the, the way I travel, the, everything, those three things, living a legacy. So breaking the generational um, poverty that we have, um, living the best version of myself and having a positive impact on the environment. Oh, I love it, Pam. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The last thing that I want to compliment you about is because I love that you're a planner. And I think a lot of women, I do, because I'm not so much a planner. But I, and I think this is something that I can learn from you about and mm -hmm. have already. But I think a lot of times women don't plan. And I think this is true about me and something I've had to work on in my own mindset. And when I had that realization is that we don't plan because there's a part of us that fears we won't be able to achieve it. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that you're, that you changed all, and there was a lot of work, cause I know I haven't talked to you cause you're really tired because you've been in knee deep in the shift in terms of your, your logo and your name, and you have rebranded everything. And the end result of that, one of your, your goals is obviously in 10 to 15 years, but I'll be surprised if it's in 10, 15 years, because I don't know, you seem like you won't retire, but you're going to retire. Let's say you're going to yes. visit Trinidad more. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to sell your business. Yes. So I just want anybody listening, just remember that personalizing your business name, like I have mine, um, that can be limiting in terms of selling off a business. So if you have plans to go bigger, to think bigger, to go bigger, to take bigger mm -hmm. action, then I want to use Pam as an example where she rebranded and then, you know, she's not selling. It's okay. The business without Pam, it will, you know, other yes. people can do what she does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like KFC. It used to be Kentucky fried chicken. Right. Yeah. And they have changed it to KFC, um, which I hate to admit it, but I do love a good KFC. <laughs> Me too. I'm so into it. I don't like that. Trinidad KFC is the best. Yeah, I love KFC. But it's even better in Trinidad, Megan. Yeah. We have to yeah. go and have some KFC. There. Anyway, okay. um, so when I started the business, um, like you say, I bootstrapped it. I I did everything on my own. I didn't have I didn't have a fancy business coach to say, Pam, don't call your business Pamela George Financial Literacy. But I'll tell you. There was a reason for it and I have no regrets. I, coming from where I come from, my past, not, um, not coming from any affluent family, no university educated people in my family. I was the first in my family to go university, right? Um, coming from where I come from, from nothing, to have my name out there as a business, to have my name when the radio and the TV, which I go on frequently, when they say my name and the name of my company, that meant something to me. Seeing my name on a business card, Pamela George Financial Literacy Inc., that meant something to me, right? And and I I, I it was beautiful. But then afterwards, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say I got over that, but but I've I've accomplished that now. I've you know check right. And then I'm thinking, okay, so I've done this. What, what am I going to do when I retire? Am I going to 
pass this on to my nieces or nephews or if I had kids? The answer is no, I don't think any of them want to do what I do, but there's somebody out there who will. Some, some person who, who wants to do what I do and if they want it, they want to buy my business in 10, 15 years, I don't think they're gonna to want to buy Pamela George Financial Literacy. Right. So that is why I said, okay, I hired this marketing company and um, we came up with Sand Dollar and I love it. I love it. So in 10, 15 years, whoever is listening, you want to buy this company, <laughs> keep me on the radar. <laughs> it's part of my retirement plan. So for anybody who's listening, if you do want to get in touch with Pam and, um, you know, there's so many ways to get in touch with you, I know on social media, but now it's going to be sand dollar, right? Yes. It's sanddollar.co. So not .com.co. It's all fancy sanddollar.co. And my email is Pamela at sanddollar.co. Uh, my phone is still the same 613-407-1478. You can call or text and Facebook, just look for Sand Dollar Financial Literacy Counseling. I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Oh, Pam, thanks so much for coming on the show again. You know, I, I'm always inspired. There was so much more that I, I wanted to talk to you about, but then you'll have to come back because I thought of a story as we were talking that you told me. So, <laughs> I just, so I'm so glad to have you. And I, I really appreciate you coming today and sharing your inspiration and giving us some beautiful mindset uh, tips. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's like just sitting and chit-chatting with you. Two good friends. The only thing that was missing was two glasses of wine. That's That's it. right. Exactly. Next time. <laughs> we make it happen. We make it happen. <laughs> Take care, Megan. Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Belief Alchemy with Megan O'Neill. And before you go, I just want to tell you about a fantastic micro course, a free one, that I offer to anyone who wants to go to meganoneal.ca because I'm in Canada slash courses. It's called The Confidence Lab, Own Your Entrepreneurial Expertise. And I created this micro course because I know that there's so many busy women who are ambitious, who want to go to the top of their field. They understand underneath all of the mind trash that there is tremendous potential but they get caught in their own way. They, they play it small instead of going big and bold. So in this course, I will teach you to understand where you are getting in your way and offer some tools and guidance so that you can be all that you want and reach those income goals. It's what we all want. So go to meganoneal.ca courses. Bye guys, see you next week.